0: Hey, it's Jose Galison. You're watching No Way Jose. You can find me on No Way Jose YouTube channel, all the major audio podcatchers, and Odyssey as well. Credit to Justin Campbell at JCamp1521 for the intro. Uh, today my guests are I have Ken Silva. He's going to be taking on more of a co-host role for this one. Uh, I had him on the last episode. Uh, we kind of covered a little of an overview of what we're about to talk about here. And I have Brandon Caserta as well, who uh, the way I've been uh, kind of framing him as is kind of the uh, – the poster boy of the Michigan uh, governor kidnapping story, uh, which is, you know, and I say that because he was kind of the one a lot of the pictures of came out. A lot of people tried to jump to conclusions one way or the other. And uh, he, uh, for those who aren't aware, he kind of beat the rap. Uh, and we'll, we'll definitely get into that. Like I said, uh, I'm going to be treating you guys like adults for this episode. So we're not, uh, we're going to be having Brandon, will give a lot of his account of events, but we're not... Um, how do I say this? Uh, we're, we're not gonna, you know, uh, hold your hands through it. And uh, if you want to get a, uh, get a overview of the case, you know, kind of a bird's eye view of it, go check out my last episode, the one with Ken Silva. It's it's similarly titled, uh, you know, I put the, I think it's like the Michigan uh, governor kidnapping uh, plot and plot in quotes, you know, obviously implying it's kind of contrived. But so if you want to get the overview, go check that out. We'll be going more in depth in this one, getting it more, more particularly from Brandon's perspective. Um, yeah, normally I do want to let you guys know, normally, uh, you know, uh, I will do the live stream and then I will put it behind a paywall and then put it back out again about a week later. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm letting my patrons know, uh, that's not the case for this one just because of the nature of it. Uh, so, uh, I don't want to like, you know, stamp down my algo any more than I, you know, need to, uh, for an episode like this, uh, cause this is the second time Brandon has done, uh, any sort of interview like this. So it's kind of a scoop. So uh, I want to make sure I don't, want to, you know, fuck with the algos in any way. Uh, but you know, if you know, usually this is a rare occurrence. This doesn't happen a whole lot. But usually it goes behind the paywall. So if you want to get behind the paywall, uh, Patreon.com. There's no way Jose. 2020. Lowest levels two bucks. Highest levels twenty. The twenty dollars is my sponsors. My sponsors are C McRae of the Whiskey and Tea Podcast, Jeremy, who has an Etsy store, uh, etsycom slash shop slash Raising liberty. You can follow him on Twitter at, well at as well at Jeremy Rhymes, uh, Mikkel Thorpe of the Expat Money Show as well. Uh, yeah, n- I do want to let you guys know if you're here and you're you know this is your first time popping in. Uh, some other good stuff to you go check out of mine is I'm completely I've been doing an OKC bombing series with uh, Richard Booth. We've done well over seven hours at this point. If this is a if you're interested in an episode like this, you'll probably be interested in that, that as well. I've been uh, complimented by many people about this is a. The best series I've seen so far. No credit to myself. That's all Richard Booth. That's all him. So uh, he, I lucked up with him. He is the Scott Horton of OKC, and I'm just letting him run wild, and we're we're, we're going deep, and it's been pretty good. So and then I also have uh, episode 171. I think this is honestly my most important podcast I ever done. Uh, this was that was the episode with Duncan Lemp's widow, Casey Robinson. We got her side of the story. And to kind of, you know, get, give a chance to get to know Duncan and her and her their child uh, and, you know, how the state kind of took him from them. Uh, so I think that was a good episode. More people should check out. So you know if you're here for this first time, uh, you want to check this stuff out, please do. Uh, last thing, uh, TopLabs.com Use hosted at checkout for 10% off. He has my merch. He has the Tower Power Armor merch, Naturalist Capitalist, Liberty Lockdown, Break the Cycle, uh, other shows as well. Uh, and then he also has his stuff that's not show-related art. Uh, so, yeah, go check him out. He has a lot of good stuff. He's you know he's also one of the co-hosts in Tower Power. He's a good guy. i go support his work. Let's go ahead and get the guys in here. Again, hey, what's up, Brandon? Yo, Yay. yo. Yay, what's up? Um, let's go ahead and uh, um, let's get into this. Uh, Brandon, I kind of want you to introduce yourself starting off. Uh, but the, the uh, this will kind of, you know, segue into the, I guess was kind of my first question before we go into your account of the events. Uh, I kind of want to know what your political philosophy is because that was a big part of this whole story, uh, especially pertaining to you. Um, and I know you, maybe you, I know in a previous show, you re- referred to yourself as a voluntarist. Um, so I don't know if maybe you're just, you you, you like that label. Uh, so to be more specific, I kind of would like to know what your, uh, literature slash maybe political philosophers that you've derived you know what you think from because most of my audience i go a lot i've done a lot in theory in my audience so i think uh, you know you don't have to worry about going too far with labels or you know philosophers or whatever to lose my audience i think they'll they'll be able to follow along and they're kind of probably interested in that but go on
1: yeah for sure man um you know i would just consider myself an anarchist you know uh someone who understands and realizes that authority doesn't exist and authority in terms of the right to rule, you know, not like having particular knowledge about something uh, authority is in, you know, the right to issue commands and control other people.
0: Okay. Uh, is there any particular political philosophers or, or books or anything that brought you to this? Cause I think, cause I think people like to know what flavor are we talking here? Because uh, I know a I, lot of people jump jumped to you that you were like an Antifa type, like maybe like an Ancom or a Demsoc type thing, uh, you know, so I don't know if you want to clarify a little bit where you're coming from. I I, I understand all the reasons why people go voluntarist, anarchists, but just kind of like where roughly is your flavor?
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely not a white supremacist, definitely not a communist Antifa, mm-hmm. uh, you know, nothing on the left and and nothing on the right, too, you know, but... Check it out, man. I brought I brought a few books, you know, just to kind of give you a little bit of reference, because I do like to read. Um, I mean, one of the main books that influenced me the most was Larkin Rose. It's the one, most yeah. dangerous superstition. Um, I mean, that's probably like one of my favorites. Uh, we the people, no treason, the Constitution mm-hmm. and no authority. Uh, mm-hmm. This book's really good, you know, goes really into like what is consent, you know, and. Mm-hmm. Is voting actually like? Is there consent when there's voting? You know, let's let's dive into that and actually see if that's. If yeah, that's I've done a whole
0: episode way. on that uh, as part of my Anarchist Handbook series with uh, Reed Coverdale. We broke that whole whole, whole uh, essay down. So, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, nice, that's a good nice, one. yeah. Well, you, it sounds to me like you're speaking my my uh, my audience's language. Um, I guess aside from that, I mean, maybe give a brief overview uh, for the people here who you are. You know, kind of why you're even here in the first place, and then we can go deeper. And then me and uh, me and Ken will kind of, you know, ask you questions as we go along.
1: Right on. Yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm just a regular metalhead from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, Grew up downriver, played music pretty much my whole life. Um, You know, I was always kind of a rebel, but, uh, you know, I went on tour when I was younger. And then, uh, you know, as as I got a little bit older, I started really kind of diving more into philosophy and doing a lot more reading and, and taking personal responsibility, which kind of led me to the whole philosophy of, uh, anarchism, you know? And, uh, when now I always knew that the government was corrupt. And when I started understanding what anarchism actually was, uh, and libertarianism and stuff, it, it helped me to really realize that I'm not necessarily alone And that other people actually see what's going on in the world. So, you know, 2020 happened, COVID-19 happened, all that bullshit. And uh, I'm already training with firearms. I'm already, I have all my gear, you know, my my systems are set up and everything. Um, But, you know, I'm like by myself, you know what I mean? I'm going to work, working 50, 60 hours a week at a machine shop, uh, making good money. But, uh, you know, just kind of doing my own thing. Right. Uh, so I wanted to reach out to other people out there because I really was believing that something bad was going to happen. And, and I still think that when, when you look at what's going on in the world today, and uh, I wanted to organize more with people and, and get, you know, I didn't want to be in some huge group or anything, but I wanted to have like a small network of people that I could trust to where, Hey man, if like, These riots come our way or if the state comes, you know, down on us in some way or they want to take our guns or whatever it is, um, you know, we have a way to help each other defend our life and defend our property. So that's what kind of got me, you know, talking to some of those guys in the uh, Wolverine
0: Watchmen. Okay, cool. Uh, I totally fucked up, and I feel like a bad host. Uh, I did not introduce my co-host properly. Uh, I have Ken Silva here of the Libertarian Institute. Uh, before we get into the, uh, you know, kind of the, you know, sequence of events, his his story. Uh, do you have any questions at this point, uh, Ken, that you'd like to ask? Or.
2: Well, yeah, I guess before we get too deep into Brandon's story, we should probably mention that uh, two of his former co-defendants are on retrial this week. And I think there's some stuff heating up with the state case. And and Brandon, I was wondering if you could update us on uh, what's going on with uh, your friends, or are they still your friends?
1: Um, So, you know, interestingly enough, like, as far as Adam Fox and Barry, dude, I really didn't know them like when we trained, I I met Barry maybe twice and it was each at training events that had uh, three months, if not longer separating them. Um, And, and, you know, I don't hate Adam. He's not like a bad person or anything, but like, I don't really like him. You know what I mean? So we, we never really got along. He wasn't like my friend or anything, but you know, when, when the trial came up this past April, they took us all out of new and put us all in the same cell together. So I got to know Barry a little bit more and I got to know Adam a little bit more. You know what I mean? And I would consider Barry a good friend. He's a good guy. None of them should be in the situation. None of us should be in the situation and they absolutely shouldn't be in the situation. But Barry just called me the other day and, uh, he's doing good. And, uh, you know, we're, you know, we're three days into the, to the trial right now. And, uh, yeah, tomorrow will be the last day of, uh, of the week for, uh, for at least the prosecution. I think the prosecution has maybe 10 more witnesses or something like that, but
2: uh, uh oh, sorry, we, we won't disclose your location, but it's my understanding that you're not participating in the trial at all. You're, you're, you're not there. Is there a reason for that?
1: Um well I'm not there right now, but I have been subpoenaed, so I will be yeah. in Michigan. Uh I'm gonna head up there Sunday.
2: Oh, subpoenaed for what purpose, if I might ask? Uh
1: test testimony.
2: Really? Okay. That should be that should be interesting. On behalf of the defense, I presume. Oh yeah, dude, I would <laughs> never... <laughs> that'll, that'll be really interesting.
0: And on those two individuals, I feel like uh cause this may not come up naturally later. Uh, it's, uh, I, I've been, Ken was, is, I have Ken on here cause he's, you know, followed the story way better. He's wrote on it. Uh, it's my understanding. I believe I may be wrong. Correct me if I am. Those two individuals did cave to some extent and that's why they're sort of in a retrial situation. Uh, would you, would you, uh, expand on that? Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it was Adam that you, you kind of talked shit about in the la- in the last episode. Uh, maybe, maybe I, I'm mis- mix- mixing up names a little bit. I'm not sure.
1: Uh, yeah. What do you mean by cave? Uh, I think we're talking to Caleb Franks. Oh, yeah. So we have, we got Caleb Franks and Ty Garbin. They both oh, came yeah. right beforehand.
0: Okay, so these guys are in the clear. They got a retrial for other reasons.
1: Yeah, so what wound up happening is, you know, Caleb and Ty, they took a plea. Caleb Franks took a, a plea literally a month before we had trial. Ty immediately started cooperating with the, uh, cooperating with the government off the bat, right? So all four of us, it was me, Dan Harris, which I love Dan. He's a great guy. I talk to him all the time. Um, it was me, Dan Harris, uh, Barry Croft and Adam Fox that all went to trial with those two other dudes testifying against us. Now what wound up happening is me and Dan got totally acquitted and then the jury could not unanimously agree on Barry and Adam. So they actually got a mistrial and it was a hung jury. So, yeah
0: okay.
2: And my that's last all,
1: question that's of, why they're okay. getting retried.
2: And the retrial, it's also one of the prosecutors apparently isn't involved in the case anymore. Is there any anything scandalous behind that, or is that just him you know switching jobs?
1: Yeah, so Ken, I can give you a couple little good pieces of information. Um, I' I'll definitely touch on that, but before we went to the first trial, there was a guy, I can't remember his name, but the main prosecutor is Nils Kessler. Okay. Hmm. So he's the one that's uh, running the whole prosecution, and everything. So his main guy um, in December of 2021 dipped, just left him hanging. And he was like, what the heck? So then that Jonathan Roth guy came through and said, okay, I'm going to pick up, you know what I mean? And help Nils with, with the prosecution. So Nils has already had two people who was right next to him. I mean, that other guy knew every, he, you know, he was his discovery guy that went through all the discovery and he dipped out on him. Now, Jonathan Roth, we don't necessarily know why, but the first guy I'll, I'll give you his name later. I can't remember right now, but the first guy actually left the the DOJ office or whatever, and I and I heard that he decided to become a defense attorney because he probably realized what the hell is going on up in here and wasn't down with that shit. Uh-huh. You know what I mean, um, so yeah, that's happened twice. And yep, Jonathan Roth left, and uh, now I believe they have uh, Gretchen Whitmer's attorney, who was promoted in some way to uh, this case in the feds. He was a state attorney, and then Yonker, the judge. Uh, ruling on this case uh, swore him in and now he's uh, with the prosecution
2: Very interesting Yeah. Well
0: alright Well, I guess let's uh, unless you have any more questions Ken we can start moving more into the story of what happened uh, you, you mentioned that you know uh, kind of this started as you were kind of you know around lockdown time uh, things are getting crazy uh, and I think this is a common thread for a lot of people in our circles I was doing something similar not quite a militia thing Uh, This podcast was actually kind of born out of that. Like I had this other project where I was trying to create like almost like a decentralized kind of like different chapters and like a main group. Like I called it the Liberty Movement, this thing on Facebook. And we were trying to grow it out. And that was ironically when Facebook started getting crazy and cracking down. So it became kind of hard to manage. Uh, Although right off the bat, it was actually very successful. And then they stamped down on it real quick because there was definitely that energy of people wanting to organize. Um, and I, the podcast actually started as a way to promote it and then, you know, it just kind of became its own thing. But, uh, I, uh, you were saying you were kind of looking into that. I guess we can start with like how you actually got into the Wolverine Watchmen and then we can kind of move from there. Maybe if you experience any sort of, uh, in real life fed posting, if you will, uh, you know, a lot of people in this crowd know what fed posting is. It's uh, when you post stuff, that's kind of like clearly going to get the feds after you. Uh, so which in real life would be some guy like, Hey man, it'd be super cool if we go in and kidnap the fucking governor. And then like, what? (laughs) Uh, you know, uh, most people in our circle start to realize there are feds. And if anyone's like, Hey, would you like to buy some explosives? You should be like, Hey, uh, stay away from that guy. (laughs) So I guess we can start with what kind of got you into the Wolverine Watchman uh, thing like, you know, that story. And then we can kind of lean into your experience in there and keep going from there.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Let's see here. I was, I was laid off from work in like February. Um, you know, the whole pandemic didn't affect me negatively at all. Uh, I was paid really good as far as unemployment. Um, you know, and then I would say I was off for probably three months and then right when I could go back to work, boom, went right back in there, uh, tired of sitting at home. So, uh, You know i decided to kind of reach out online and just you know i'm adding more people on on the internet and stuff and kind of you know networking a little bit talking to some more people and um i actually kind of was associating with uh the southwest michigan volunteer militia which you know it's like a volunteer militia but they're a little bit kind of older guys you know what i mean um You know, they're 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 like about Trump and whatever, and like, hey, bro, you know, like we can have that debate or whatever, but like I'm not gonna hate you because you, you know, like Trump or something, you know, I'm saying whatever politician. Uh that's not my thing. But um, they cared about the Second Amendment and that was important to me. So, you know, I'm talking to them a little bit and they're like, hey, you know, the leader of it was like, Hey, uh, you know, invited me to this group, uh, this private Facebook group. So I'm chatting in there, you know, and um, you know, just kind of saying, Hey, anyone want to train? Like, look at this shit that's going on. You know, like we need to have some sort of preparation, some sort of, you know, uh, defense. Like, do you, do you have food? Like I got some food stored away. Like, what can we do? You know what I mean? And, uh, Joe Morrison messaged me on there. He so happened to be in that group also. So he messaged me and he was like, Hey man, uh, I live over in Jackson. You want to come train? I'm like, dude, that sounds sweet. Like, I'm living in the city. Uh, you got property to shoot on. Fuck. Yeah, bro. I'm coming out. So, um, he just invited me to, um, the, the wire chat and, you know, just kind of asked me a little bit, basically like, Hey, what's your philosophy? Like, what do you think freedom is? You know, uh, you know, what are rights? What do you care about? So I answered that, you know, what kind of gear do you have? So I told him that. And, uh, then I showed up and, you know, trained a little bit, but something I do want to clarify is I was never, ever a member of Wolverine Watchmen. They keep saying I am, but I was never in that group. I was never sworn in or anything. And everyone that was federally indicted was also not in the Wolverine Watchmen. Like Wolverine Watchmen is Joe Morrison and Pete Musico. You know, those are the state guy stuff uh, you know, Joe, uh, Pete and Paul Bellar. So I trained at their house maybe like twice. And then, uh, I kind of was focusing on like, okay, cause I'm, I'm showing up there and there's like 30 people, you know, I don't know anybody. So we're training and stuff and, and I'm trying to figure out, okay, who's like, where are the good guys at? You know what I mean? I'm trying to learn more. I'm trying to better myself. So, there was a group of guys that kind of was veering off um, separate from the Watchmen. And they were like, yeah, we kind of want to start our own group or, or just be like separate. Right. So I started associating with those guys because they were better with guns um, than like all the other 20 people that were there. So uh, you know, I I was at Joe's house maybe twice and uh, you know, we, we had like uh, a meeting at, dan harris's house and then we trained one other time and then we had another training event at that ty garbin kids house so i would say i trained with with this group probably like once a month i knew him for a four month span of time trained maybe once a month maybe one of the months i trained twice you know uh but that was pretty much it
0: So you're saying this thing that you got caught up in is a group that you spent probably less than 10 times actually interacting with in like a physical type way.
1: Oh yeah, 100%. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's crazy. I have the uh, documents. I still got a bunch of uh, 1023 FBI documents, but there's uh, the government's list of timeline, right? Like this phone call happened here. This event happened here, right? And there's uh, like 130, 140, I marked how many I was, how many incidents involved me and bro it was like six. You know what I mean? It was Five. like really I'm not even involved, but they wanted to use me because, you know, when I say, hey, I'm an anarchist, you know, and and oh, you're anti-government, yup. You're anti-authority, yup. Okay, we we need to get this guy. This guy's really speaking some, you know, to them it's not truth, but I'm speaking truth, and they're getting offended, but offended about it and they're not liking it, you know, they want to hem me up.
0: Yeah. I, I also think it probably had a lot to do with your appearance and I'm not saying that in a bad way. No, nope. no homo. You're a good looking dude, but I can see how someone <laughs> could say like, you know, look at you, you look rough. You look like I could see how someone could at first appearance. Like you look scary gauges, beard, tattoos, uh, you know, bigger guy, uh, you know, like, Hey, here's kind of a good poster boy, which is kind of the point of uh, the initial thing I led with was, Because that was a big part of this. When people first saw your picture, they were trying to characterize you as this far right white supremacist, you know, whatever the fuck. And when then the MAGA crowd, you know, found the saw the anarchist flag behind you, were like, no, he's just some Antifa fuck. And it's fun. It's like you have an appearance that weirdly could like, you know, just based on stereotypes could fit either. So uh, it it kind of worked for both sides in that way. And I think you know that. I don't think that was unintentional. Maybe I could be wrong. Maybe it was just a happy accident on their part. Uh, but I guess this should make it easier since there was literally less than 10 times you interact in real life. I, I do want to know, were there ever any occasions where you felt like, you know, just kind of weird? Like, you know, because, you, know, you know, anyone who's gotten deep into the liberty movement in general and knows there are occasional people who are like, why the fuck are you asking questions like that or saying things like that or... And most people have the wherewithal to just kind of like stay away from them. Uh, you know, it's one thing where you know a group setting. You can, I mean, I'm sure maybe if this had happened, you probably just shrugged them off and were like, hey, whatever. Like, uh, but I, I kind of would like to get your take on that. Uh, if if you saw anything along those lines, or or if anything ever raised your eyebrows at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, well, the, the, from the first thing you were saying, you're absolutely right. They saw what type of person I was. You know, my looks and you know, I was a vocal person, you know, if you, if you hear me in the audio, you know, I'm expressing my opinions. Um, I'm, I'm f- very forthright. So they definitely, you know, chose me in that way, because I, I was an easy person for them to put in front of a jury or put in front of society and say, look at this horrible, violent terrorist person, you know, look at the statement he made, you know what I mean? Um, but Interestingly enough, there really wasn't any time where I said, oh shit, like there's something going on. like, man, I could get in trouble because I thought that when I was in jail, you know, when they arrested me and they told me the charges, I was like, bro, are you serious? Like, yeah, you would kidnap the governor. I was like, for what? Like, for what? Like what, what's going to happen after that? You know, why am I doing that? You know? And they they couldn't answer. And I'm thinking back to while I'm in the cell and I'm like, I'm not a stupid person. And look, I've broken the law before. Okay. But I know when I'm about to do, like, I understand the consequences of what the state is going to do if they know that I do something. Right. So that never happened during this entire investigation. But the crazy thing is when I first met them, I walked straight into a teI which is a uh the biggest terrorism investigation that the FBI can do It's called a terrorist enterprise investigation the first training event I went to there was already informants in there there was already audio recording happening all that stuff was already happening I was just like an icing on the cake for them to use you know in in this in this uh theater, this play that they were running.
0: All right. All right. Uh, do you have any uh, questions at this point, Ken? Anything anything pique your interest? you want further elaboration
2: on? Yeah, that actually was, you know, you took the question off the tip of my tongue. I was going to ask whether the group had already been infiltrated when you joined or if, it, if that came later. And, like, when did you start to interact with uh, the main informants, Steve Robeson and Dan Chapel? And the auxiliary informants like Jenny Plunk and those other people, did, were they, did they start out as informants or were they flipped and threatened with charges? Can you shine some light on that?
1: So, so no, um, uh, Robeson and Plunk had been informants the whole time. Okay. Dan Chapel, the, the main informant, he came in around, march like the beginning of march and talk to joe and ty garbin and those guys i came in in june i started associating with them um now i wanted to have a meeting right at at my apartment to kind of go over uh you know like a threat matrix to See, really, kind of what we could prepare for in the future, and, and and I'm gonna be honest, like this group was totally not cohesive in any way. Like it was just, it was it was kind of dumb. Like you could not, like when I actually was like, all right, I'm gonna make you guys pretty much talk to me about something serious because you guys are just like joking around. It's like kind of some younger guys just joking around, talking shit. No one can get serious about anything, and then they're like, oh man, this kind of sounds like a this is like AA meeting or something. I'm like, okay, bro. Like you guys like can't even take anything serious. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So I I wanted to set up a meeting at at my house. The only person that came was the government. Right? So Dan showed up, we hung out for four hours. He helped me fix my car. You know what I'm saying? Bought me food, act like he was my buddy. Uh, but I always thought something was off about him because if I'm going to hang out with somebody, and like, I know that you're into guns. I'm going to give you my gun. So I'm going to, you're going to come over and am like, hey, bro, hey bro, check out my shit. You know what I'm saying? And usually what happens if anyone's into guns, they're going to know. They're like, oh, sweet. You know what I mean? They're going to rack the slide. They're going to, you know what I'm saying? Oh, this is nice, bro. They're going to aim it a little bit. And when I did that, he wouldn't take it. He was apprehensive to touch it. And I'm like, oh, okay. I something's weird about you you know so i really kind of just stayed away from him i didn't really associate with him that much um he was mostly focused on garbin and adam but really adam he preyed on adam like an animal it's sickening what what they did to him uh and as far as robeson he was just like some fat hillbilly dude from wisconsin that i didn't even really know you know uh we never talked I never talked to him in chats or on the phone nothing like that uh jenny plunk uh like nothing with her you know um
2: yeah how many informants were there we i think all the reports say at least 12 and did you know them all and is that your understanding that there were 12 informants or were there even more
1: yeah so i think there might have been more there is for sure 12 and i know only about six of them so there is some that we didn't really know or at least for me i didn't uh come to find out who they were and neither did my attorney or anything but uh those people that we didn't really know were in other states you know this was uh this was a uh a whole eastern coast kind of uh thing you know what i mean as far as informants and the feds directing them to talk to other people in other areas and set up all these meetings, all the meetings that happened were set up by the FBI. Like for example, real quick, Wisconsin, right? I'm not driving my car from Detroit to Cambria, Wisconsin. So, but if you say, Hey man, I got a bunch of uh, hanging steel targets and I got three acres of property. Uh, I got some barrels and shit. You want to train? Hell yeah, dude. I'm rolling, you know? So you know, the government knew that. So they rented a, you know, spent like 1500 bucks, got a nice SUV and told the informant, yeah, just pick them all up, pay for the food and everything. So it drove me out there, you know, and I'm, I'm, it's like a family gathering. I'm, I'm just, there's a barbecue, there's kids running around, we're up in front, just shooting guns, talking shit, having fun. And then, you know, the next thing I know, right after a couple months after that, I get arrested and they're trying to use that event against me as an over act and some conspiracy. And it's like, Really? Come on, man. All
0: right. You got anything else, Ken? All right. All right. All right. Uh, I, I want to know before we get any further, since it seems like it's an appropriate time to bring it up, to what extent was there any sort of actual or even, you know, um, I don't know, a uh, maybe you could say a uh, suggested uh, or, or any sort of plot whatsoever to kidnap the Michigan governor? And then I guess once you answer that, maybe point out, Uh, to what extent was that uh, basically concocted or or, uh, proposed by the informants?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say no. And I can speak from just my experience. So, you know, whatever the informants did with some of my co-defendants, they did out of my presence. You know what I mean? So... There was never one time a thing where it's like the informants, like, Hey man, like you want to, you want to go do this? You want to, you know, you want to go kidnap the governor and shit never. But the only thing that the informant would really try to do is tell me about ideas that Adam had. Right. And then say, Oh, well, he was thinking about getting a, a warrant. Right and have a judge sign off on a arrest warrant. So there was really only talk about her being arrested for the unconstitutional, uh, you know, lockdown orders and stuff like that, but it was never like a a real thing. You know what I mean? It was like, someone said it. I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. Like, cool. You know what I mean? And then the conversation would just switch off to something else. All
2: right.
0: All right. Uh, Well, I guess uh, let's move into, I guess, starting, I mean, unless there's something I'm missing here, I think the next uh, appropriate thing to go into would be kind of the uh, trial proceedings since you already kind of addressed, you got arrested uh, shortly after this period of time, unless there's something, uh, unless Ken, there's something you want to address in this like
2: a period of time that I'm not bringing up. Uh, I Um, guess before the trial started, you had like a lot of stuff happen in this country and I'm wondering what it was like sitting in a cell while things like January 6 went down, now you you're watching on the TV. Like, what was your reaction at that time?
1: Uh, it, it I, I mean, it was crazy, dude. It was crazy, and it, it was kind of funny because, you know, everyone in my cell they knew who I was. They knew what was going on. You know what I mean? So you could imagine that you know you're sitting in a cell, you're sitting in the pod, you see the January 6 happen, right? And then all your sellies look at you, (laughs) you know, they're like, yo, B, them, your boys right there. You a proud boy, bro. You know what I'm saying? Just talking shit like that. I'm like, Hey, bro, I didn't have shit to do with that. You know, that was not my people, bro. I don't know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? But yeah, it was, it was crazy, man. It was definitely crazy. I just hope that, man, I hope the world doesn't just burn down before I get out of here. You know, at least let me out of here first.
0: Yeah, it looks like that may be happening here soon now that you're out, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm itching to, to, to uh, I mean, not, not in this episode, but probably here soon I'll have to definitely cover all the Trump craziness going on right now. And it, it weirdly does apply to this and then also the OKC stuff that I was talking about, the crazy threat that they're building up or, or the, the, the shadow threat, the fake threat they're building up of, you know, the uh, militia, white supremacists, whatever, which is very similar to the OKC stuff. And then now, you know, they antagonize it even further, the whole Trump thing. So it's like, I don't know, we're, 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 we're entering some weird territory and all this weirdly kind of fits into this puzzle, you know, this, the OKC stuff, whatever. It's just very weird. History rhymes and it's, it's, it's really curious where this goes. Um, but I guess at this point, let's move into the uh, trial stuff, uh, you know, kind of what was your experience, uh, you know, going, like, you know, in the trial, uh, you know, feel free to provide whatever you want. Uh I have ken here has actually you know done way more work covering this than i have so you know he can yeah, provide any clarifying questions or whatever he has but uh yeah can
2: ask, let, go ahead can i ask? leading into the trial i feel like the game changer really was the buzzfeed piece where everybody kind of realized what was really going on so can you describe like the change of your attitude before that buzzfeed article came in like were you confident going into trial versus afterwards um and just talk about how that story developed right before the trial because that exactly. really did seem to be a game changer.
1: Yeah absolutely it you know it was um you know my spirits were were pretty down when I was in there for the first few months. Uh you know I never thought about folding not one time. I knew what happened what was messed up but I wanted to get discovery to really figure out what really happened you know and i was able to get a laptop in jail so i could leave i had uh you know two terabyte hard uh, hard drives that i could plug into listen to all the audio go through all the text messages and really i was just like a second attorney for my case you know me and me and my lawyer i just would write things down. He'd come and I'd give it to him. You know, we'd talk about everything and just really, really fight really hard to know the case uh, back to front and things kind of sucked. But when I got, when I was able to actually do something and make some progress, because that was the issue is just nothing really happening. You know, that's what really fucks with your head is like the same thing every day. You know and and you're not working towards anything you're literally just there waiting to hopefully get out free you know you know you're going up against you know a gigantic bloated federal government uh that and it's going to be lopsided in their favor um but once i got the discovery i I felt better because i was making more progress um and once the uh i think the first thing that happened was we found out in, I believe it was March, that March of 21, that Robeson got charged with a federal gun crime for having a sniper rifle. And then I found out that, you know, he was a Chomo and all this other stuff. And he had this huge criminal record and all of these things. And I was like, okay, like that's good for us, you know? Um, so that happened. And then when the trask thing happened i was like oh shit i'm like dude this is gonna happen again there's gonna be more stuff that are gonna keep coming out and people are gonna realize you know people are gonna realize what's going on and i'm like dude i knew these were guys like that you know that were involved in this case and uh you know and listen i hate that his wife had to take a hit for us I would never want her to go through that. Or it's sad that she experienced that it's horrible. She, you know, no one should ever have to go through that. Their husband doing something like that. And if I ever saw him, I'd beat his ass for doing that to her. But I mean, I was like, hell yeah, dude, this looks good for us. Cause this guy's a total psychopath. Right. There was a huge turning point of like, okay, man, we got some more leverage. dude. We might not even we might not be able to use it in trial, but the public still knows. And and I called Jessica Garrison. You know, my attorney told me, don't you call anyone ever. Don't talk to anyone. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, I got to call her and just say thanks, dude. You know, I got to call her and just be like, hey, you know what? Thanks for uh, thanks for putting the word out there. I, I appreciate that you know, more people need to know. And it's surprising because you're like kind of on the left. Right. But I'm like, all right, you know, leftists kind of hate cops a little bit or whatever. So maybe they might want to do that. I don't know what their agenda was, but they spoke a lot of truth and really put that shit out there. So once that kind of got out there, more people started reading that and they said, Hey, wait a second. Once they found out there was more informants than there was people who got charged, the dynamic changed. And then it just was a snowball effect from there. And the prosecution's case just continued to just disintegrate over time. Yeah.
2: And just to clarify for the viewers or listeners, you're, the Trask in the wife situation is the FBI agent who beat the crap out of his wife in that one night. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Went to a, uh, apparently they like to go to swingers parties, uh, went there, they got wasted, drove home drunk, right and then i guess he decided to bash her head up against the corner of the nightstand now by the way i got that audio recording so all the body cam footage um all that stuff of what she looks like her 911 phone call i heard that shit bro i heard what she said how her voice sounded i mean it was horrible dude like i'm like oh my god you know uh and then him getting arrested that body cam footage. I got that while I was in jail. Watch that. You know, he's, he's just, just totally obliterated in some random parking lot. When the cops pick him up, he did barely knows what's going on. You know what I mean? But yeah, he, he, he got charged with uh, felonious assault with intent to do great bodily harm less than murder for uh, bashing your head up against the nightstand like that. And, um, what they didn't say either is they he choked her her neck had so had purple bruises her neck was so damaged because he squeezed so hard and for so long that uh she had to grab him by the balls dude and 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 really just try to pull his balls off in order for him to to leave and they found they found Him in the parking lot and he was covered In her blood she was covered in blood He was still covered in her blood Blood on his hands everything And uh, Yeah that was just That was crazy
0: Alright um, One question I had uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm not as knowledgeable I've said this Multiple times so I'm not completely sure Of the time frame uh, Ken brought a good a Point up uh, the, cause I can totally see from your perspective, sitting in jail, uh, and I'm not sure how long it took before the Buzzfeed, uh, Buzzfeed article dropped, but sitting in jail, you know, uh, you know, the feds coming after you and it just seems hopeless. Cause if anything, the weird thing about this story is the fact that this even kind of blew up like it did or, or got exposed like it did. Uh, cause usually this kind of stuff, just, you know, the feds do what they want and kind of, you know, borderline act of impunity. Uh, But somehow their shit got busted up by BuzzFeed, which you know, the most unlikely people to do it. Um, And, you know, I don't know how long you were sitting in jail. But I guess the question here is like, were you getting the screws put on you to make some sort of deal before that time? And you know, like, what were you kind of thinking? Because I mean, I I don't really even fault anyone in a Fed case because a lot of people will point to you like, well, so-and-so admitted guilt or this or that. And they're like, okay, well, they were going against the Feds. Like, I mean, what what did you expect? So I don't really fault many, you know, really anyone when they're going against the Feds and like making some sort of plea deal. Um, You know, I mean, I might fault you a little bit if you start ratting out people, but uh, depending on what it is. uh, and, And even then I can have some sympathy depending on your situation. But point I'm getting at is I'm kind of curious, like what, what were they already starting to put the screws to you to make some sort of deal at that point? Uh, and was that the turning point where you're like, okay, well, fuck you. I'm not making any deals.
1: Yeah. So I wasn't offered, I, well, I was offered some, a deal two or three times. Um, and when that happened, I knew I had leverage over him. So let's see we had we had to push the trial back twice so when i got arrested our trial date was in may um after we had to push that to october um and then it was that june it was like june or july of 2021 when uh when the whole trash thing happened and a lot of the buzzfeed articles were coming out um because really how some of that came out is you know i found text messages From the feds to their informants, it was there, you know. And I and I found it. I said, Oh my god, I just struck gold right here. He's literally telling him and directing him to do things, you know. I'm like, dude, you can't do this shit. So I showed my attorney, they filed filed some motions. That's when Buzzfeed was paying attention and was like, Oh crap, there's way more stuff going on. So they started to post about it now come around, you know, we're coming up to this, the, to trial in October of 21, uh, and we have to adjourn it. So then, uh, Nils Kessler came to, I never spoke with him, but he told my attorney, uh, Hey, you know, offer you a deal, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, I, I never considered it for a second, but I of course wanted to know what it was like, okay, well, I mean, what does he want though? And, you know, I was facing a life sentence and he was offering me like eight years, seven or eight years. If I testified and cooperated with them against everyone else. Um, And I said, nope. And then about three or four months later, October, November, December. Yeah. Like December, uh, my attorney came to me again and, and told me that Nils was offering me another deal. Um, and it was even less time and he would drop the terrorism statute. And I said, nah, I'm straight. Take this shit to trial, bro. Because I already had, we had the text messages. We had the shit, you know, there's no way if the fact that I'm in here means that anyone in America could be in my spot for just speaking truth and speaking against the injustice that these government criminals are fucking engaging in. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not going to sit here and fold. Because if I fold, then that just sets a precedent for everyone else. You know, we can't let them win, bro. We have to fight, dude. We have to fight against this shit, even if we have to do it in their own courts. And look, the fact that we won shows that you can still beat them at their own game in their home arena, you know? And because the people spoke, the, the people of Michigan spoke and said, no, nah, you know what? This smells like shit. These guys are innocent. You know, the government set this whole thing up. Um, so, yeah, I was offered, you know, two deals, two or three deals, said no. And, uh, you know, when trial came, I was ready to go, bro. I'm like, yep, here we go. Let's do this.
0: All right. Uh, you got anything, Ken? No. All right. Uh, let's uh, let- walk us through your trial, uh, roughly. We don't have to go too deep into it. Uh, I just kind of, you know, to give the audience a kind of an idea of uh, what what happened there. Uh, kind of maybe just give the highlights. Please.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, I'm pretty sure we broke the record for the most F-bombs dropped in federal court in the history of the United States. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that that was pretty cool. Um, You know, I don't know. For me, there wasn't really any horrible, scary moments because there wasn't anything there. You know, all they did was just play statements that uh you know people could consider offensive you know what i mean like and you know me and my lawyer understood that like okay yeah you might have said this nasty thing but that has nothing to do with the governor at all it's not an agreement to kidnap the governor you know that's really what we focus on is there's no agreement that you know that isn't an agreement um and And a lot of times you know they would take certain things out of context so and and i'll say this every day of the week any i don't care uh if i'm talking about a dynamic where a government agent is violating my rights um and i tell and i speak that you have the right to use deadly force against that you know that's not violence that's not what violence is That's not violent terrorism. You're, you know, this is how this country was made, dude. You know? So, uh, I didn't really sweat that that much. And I think that with the way things have been going on in society, I believe that, you know, what, what I say might be offensive, but I guarantee you some of them jury members know what I'm talking about. And they're like, you know what? Yeah. I kind of agree with that.
2: Do you feel Uh, So the last show you did, I think you said, I got justice, but did you though? Because, you know, you still lost a year and a half of your life. I'm sure your family was put through hell. So yeah. Can you elaborate on that? What do you, what do you mean when you say you got justice? Um, I said that on the, uh, the last podcast, I said that. I heard you say that unless I might be mistaken. I mean, I'll ask you, do you feel like you got justice?
0: It was a I, freeman podcast by the way for those who are interested I believe I think
1: was yeah, it yeah yeah the Freeman report I think report. Um, I think what you were talking about was a was an article from Julie Kelly because um, I was telling her some information I don't remember exactly uh, what I was talking about but in a way I still believe we did get justice you know um, innocent men were not put in a cage for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. And that is a just choice. You know, that was a just choice. Yeah. Part of my life got taken away from me, but that's the whole reason why I'm talking to dudes like you guys. You know what I mean? While I'm trying to reach out and, and communicate with people to, to get the message of a message of truth out there. So people know what's going on. You know what I mean? That's the whole reason why we do podcasts and stuff like that. A lot was taken from me, but I have to I I cannot let this negative thing knock me down. I have to transform it into something positive in my life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And all they did was just give me a way to continue speaking my truth. You know what I'm saying?
2: Are there any avenues for you to sue the government uh, for malicious prosecution or anything like that? Yeah. You know, I'm
1: not sure. Uh, I was watching the last podcast, uh, Ken with, uh, you and Jose and you were mentioning something some about Facebook. I don't know. Maybe we need to talk about that. <laughs> Cause, uh, I was kind of thinking about, Hmm, I wonder, you know what I mean? It's, it's a little bit difficult to find attorneys that want to go up against the government. They have to have a certain kind of temperament. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, and at this time, still a lot of people are slightly apprehensive because there's two other dudes on trial. You know what I mean? So they might not just really want to jump in the boat with me, even though, you know, they know I'm good, but you still kind of have that other thing. And they do, probably don't want to be in the middle of something. If this uh, ship, uh, ship sinks over here, you know?
0: Right. Right. Well, all right. I think we covered most of it. I'm going to probably open it up to the audience questions in the live chat. So, uh, you know, for those in the live chat, if you want to drop some more, unless, Ken, you got some more questions that you felt were pertinent to this before we get into the audience questions, or, you know, feel free to hop in if you think of anything in the in between as well. Um, yeah, uh, first one we have, I don't know what the pertinence of this is, but Kyle, he's one of my patrons. I appreciate you. Um, did Brandon have a cash bond when originally locked up? And if so, was it cash slash professional, meaning he could have used a bondsman?
1: Okay, so here's the thing with the feds. There is no bond that you have a bond hearing, but there is no cash bond or anything. It's literally a judge that dictates whether or not you get to go or not. And they have like a little argument. The prosecution argues, the defense argues why you should be released on bond. And if they consider you a danger, you know, they keep you in nine times out of 10, you're not going anywhere unless it's like. Maybe unless you cooperated on a drug case or something, like if you got caught with drugs and you say, yeah, I'm going to cooperate, they might let you out on a bond. But other than that, if the feds get you, they want you in there so they can press you to get that plea because that's 98% of their convictions. No one ever goes to trial. If, if pe- more people went to trial, their conviction rate would be less because they have like an 85% uh, appeal rate as far as winning on an appeal. So people are just kind of going down from taking those pleas.
0: All right, next one. JC is a frequent person who pops in these streams. Does Brandon think he'll trust local militias again? Maybe just try to prepare with his close neighbors instead. Seems like most organizations will be corrupt and infiltrated by feds eventually. I know Ken's covered this a lot. It is definitely an issue with some of the large organizations that pretty much damn near any organization like this you can – assume at least the very tippy top has been infiltrated to a large extent if not completely
1: yeah so you know i might still have uh you know a general kind of association with some people in in militias or whatever you know uh but because of this case i realized yo if you're in a militia there's feds in there big facts All the main militias out there, bro, are all ran by feds, dude. All the organizations, in my case, you know, the National Patriot 3% Militia, uh, the Wisconsin Militia, all these militias uh, down south, bro, they're all, especially if they're online, they're all funnels to funnel people in to that chat and that group, and then they're preyed on by the federal government in order to get them to say certain things so that they can prosecute them. You know what I mean? So those, you got to be really careful with, uh, with that type of stuff. So I guess to make it a little bit shorter, uh, no, I'm not, I'm good on that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I get it. Uh, um, Brandon, looking back at all these dudes you met, what are the pointers for spotting informant slash Glowies, okay. for those who are unaware, glowies is a term for feds, meaning they glow, meaning it kind of indicates they may or may not be a fed. So if anyone says that someone glows, that's why. But Go on.
1: Yeah, so um, real, if they're talking about really specific things, like if they want you to, really it's about a plan, right? But it's never a defensive plan. So if anyone's really talking offensive shit and not a defensive thing you know they could be a glowy i've never heard of that terminology but i think i'm going to use that now i kind of like it
0: (laughs) yeah i like it because the aspect of that like you're not saying they're a fed like if you're saying someone's glowing or glowy like you're you're saying like you're doing shit that really is uh making it seem like you're you're glowing (laughs) uh, if they're
1: trying to if they're trying to tell you ideas from like someone else To make it seem like it's not their idea But oh so and so was saying this And to do this what do you think about that You know that's when you kind of notice Like wait a second
0: Yeah, Uh, Someone asked uh, did you take the stand I I think I know the answer to that question But uh, I guess you can address it I'm assuming you did So,
1: Um, No I did not take the stand And uh, I can And and there's a reason too So real quick uh, The whole time I was locked up We planned on taking the stand they had a video of me. I mean, dude, I was trashing cops, bro. I was talking about murdering cops. Just if they come take my gun, I'm fucking shooting. Every- you know what I'm saying? But it's like, hey, man, it's defensive, bro. I'm not saying I'm going to do it right now. I'm saying if you do this, I'm not going to take it, right? Um, And they played that, and I said, fuck, I got to. But they said the context was about the governor, but it wasn't. I said one word, I said, recon. And they said, oh, that's what it's about was about recon and the governor. When I was really just talking about a societal breakdown or or something like that happening, you know? Um, so I had it in my head, oh man, I'm going to have to do it. And then once the prosecution got done, me and my attorney looked at, I said, dude, I don't even think I need to testify, bro. He said, yeah, (laughs) I don't think so either. We should be straight. I said, all right, cool. Didn't do it. Got up out of there.
0: All right, shout out to Lainey. Uh, he slash she, I don't know what uh, they go by, uh, but th- this is the one who actually set this up and hooked me up. Uh, I'm assuming this is an inside joke between you two. It says, "Yo, it's Lainey. I'm gay." Question uh, mark. I'm assuming because I know uh, he, she, she. I don't even know what what they prefer to be referred to. Uh, but yeah, they uh, they I guess they were uh, they're friends with you, and that's uh, that's how this got set up. So I appreciate Lainey. With me? Uh, yeah, that's the individual who set it up. I guess they go uh, – they said that they go by a different name, and that's how you know they want a different name.
1: So. Miles?
0: Maybe. I think so. I think it was Miles, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like,
1: yeah, I don't know any gay people, I don't think.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely, I think, a trans individual. So there you go. If anyone ever gives me shit but, about hey. talking shit about trans, I'm cool with some trans. Hey, man,
1: whatever you want <laughs> to be, dude. You know, it's all, it's all good.
0: Yeah. I just want to bring it up because that's the one this is that that's the person responsible for this. Um, you yeah, know, super chat from outlaw Branders, a uh, barber, Brander, barber, uh, sue them, Brandon, uh, download federal tort reform. I guess they said, I'm suing the SBA and doing it all on my own and send a federal tort notice of claim to sue and put a million dollars. So.
1: All right. I'm going to uh, actually put that down in my little notey wodies right here. What was that? Federal what?
0: Federal tort notice. Or you said download federal tort form. So okay, yeah. got yeah. it. Thank you. Well, all right. Uh, Ken, do you have anything else to add to this that you you wanted to address?
2: Yeah, I guess I was just curious. What are your plans for the future? Because I'm sure you know, trying to get a job or anything like that. All they have to do is Google your name and see all the stuff you got caught up in. Like, well, what's that like now?
1: Yeah, man. So like the past couple months, I've just been really pumping in applications, Uh, just going back to the machine shop work that I was doing before. uh, You know, so far, I really haven't had any luck. Um, I've had some good leads, but, you know, I just got subpoenaed. So now I have to stop that whole process and go back up to Michigan. And and then I got to come back, you know, where I'm at and try to start start a new life again um so far you know hasn't really worked out like i'm broke as hell dude starting from bottom again i mean i did like some podcasts where the person doing it you know would what you know hey give me give me some donations the government stole my buddy's life you know what i'm saying and uh a lot of people have supported that way you know by like some donations but i'm just gonna continue to make videos and get the message out there and then just find a job uh, someone will hire me
0: Yeah, get this man a fucking job uh i have one more super chat just came up said your honor i clearly said in minecraft <laughs> so that's a that's an internet meme for those aren't aware uh ken you have anything else uh you, you're the guy you're the dude for this story so no, is there anything guess, else you want? Uh,
2: yeah thank you for sharing this i think it was really really powerful
0: yeah i think it was good uh Uh, I guess, uh, do you have anything, I assume probably not, but I don't know, you brought up like, kind of like GoFundMes, is there anything like that out there that people can support you, Brandon, or is there anything, you know, that you're pushing? I get, you mentioned videos. Uh, I don't know if you have a, you know, your where you're, uh, you're doing these at, but if you want to let our audience know, maybe I can get you some more people over there, hopefully
1: yeah absolutely so i'm looking up on uh setting up a card situation the uh to link all the cash app stuff into um the one i had before they won't do business with me anymore because of what happened right so they said yeah you're not you can't bank with us so i'm going to figure that out but um if you want to follow me on tiktok my name is uh kinetic truth kinetic underscore truth same thing with instagram and then if you want to follow me on facebook I'm putting out videos and, and dope ass posts. You know, if you want to link up, talk freedom, talk guns, whatever, uh, train. You want to train with guns, uh, whatever you want to do. I'm a pretty cool guy. I like to meet new people. So follow me on there. That's just my first and last name, Brandon Caserta. Uh, I'm on Twitter too. Not too popular on there, but just search my name, Brandon Caserta, and uh, let's link up.
0: All right. Uh, Ken, you want to drop what plugs you have?
2: Uh, Twitter, JD underscore cashless.
0: All right. Uh, this is uh, this is a No Way Jose show. You can find us on YouTube, all our major audio podcasters Odyssey as well. If you'd like to follow me on social media, at Senor Jose Twenty Twenty is Twitter. I have a uh, I have a tendency to get nuked off Twitter, so if you want to have a backup, get me on Facebook. I don't really interact on Facebook aside from dropping like promos for episodes. But, you know, if you want to hit me up on Messenger or whatever, that's a good place to do it. I'm Jose Gali there. I have my podcast page as well if you want to support that, No Way Jose. If you want to support me financially, uh, patreon.com, just No Way Jose 2020. Like, share, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. Yeah, definitely this episode, this is one to definitely share. I think it's an important one. People need to understand this story, uh, help get that out there. Uh, With that, I appreciate you guys' time and you guys showing up. And, uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, this is uh, definitely – please share this, people. This uh, This is an important one.
2: That's yeah,
0: good. Thank you. What? 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 <laughs> yeah.
2: <Brandon>. Hell yeah.
0: <laughs> What'd you say, Ken? I said, let's go, Brandon. Let's
1: go, Brandon.
2: <laughs> Hell yeah.
0: Yeah, dark Brandon. All right, let's get out of here. <laughs> All, right, see you All guys. right, later.
2: Later.